Let me start off with a story that took place in 1744, all right? Here we go. In 1744, the College of William and Mary sent a letter to six Native American chiefs offering a free education to 12 of their young braves. The chiefs politely declined the offer with the following reply. Several of our young people were formally brought to you at the colleges of the northern provinces. They were instructed in all your sciences. But when they came back to us, they were bad runners, ignorant of every means of living in the woods, unable to bear cold or hunger, knew neither how to build a cabin, take a deer, or kill an enemy, spoke our language imperfectly, and were therefore neither fit for hunters, warriors, or counselors. They were totally good for nothing. <laughs> the chiefs then made an offer of their own. If the gentlemen of Virginia will send us a dozen of their sons, we will take care of their education, instruct them in all we know, and make men of them. I love that story. I, just, I think that's so funny. And that's what we're talking about today. How do we become men? What, what does it look like to be a man? Well, every man has a river to cross. Every man. There are all kinds of rivers to cross. I love the picture of George Washington looking across the Delaware. If we remember what was going on in Christmas of 1776, we were about to lose. Things were not looking good. In fact, the British were in so much control of the war that they actually went across the Delaware and made camps and decided not to engage in battle again until the spring. They would hunker down and have a spring campaign and the war would be over. George Washington had an idea. Let's cross the Delaware. Let's cross the Delaware. It's half frozen on Christmas Day. 3,000 American troops plus a whole bunch of cannons were on makeshift rafts boats and canoes, and if one of those cannons would have toppled and splashed, 3,000 American soldiers would have been sitting ducks for the British. Washington planned this to the T. He knew it would work. What he didn't plan on was the brutal winter storm that took place right at sunset. It began hailing and sleeting and filing then buckets of snow. Two soldiers would die of frostbite. Many would actually have blood in the snow from bloody footprints. And yet somehow we pulled it off. 3,000 American troops crossed the half-frozen Delaware in the middle of the night. And historians say that was the turning point. Not only did we capture a thousand prisoners of war and a whole bunch of soldiers were killed for the British, uh, but it was the muskets, it was the powder, it was the lead, it was the food, it was the rations, it was the cannons that we then were able to capture from them. It was the turning point, the absolute turning point in an amazing war, and it's why we're actually here uh, even today. He had a river to cross. Now, every man in this room, you have rivers to cross. There's all kinds of rivers that you and I have to cross. One is from boyhood to manhood. Now, all of us in the room know that you can be 40 and 50 and still be a boy. Well, don't say it so quickly. Just kind <laughs> of, ladies, just pause for a second if you would. We also all know in the room 
that there are 19 and 21 and 27 and 26-year-old men because they've had to grow up. So one of those rivers to cross is from boyhood to manhood. But even as a man, there's all kind of rivers that still must be crossed, relational rivers, spiritual rivers, vocational rivers, all types of personal soul issues that have got to be overcome, insecurity, feelings of inferiority. Every man in this room has rivers to cross. Joshua, in chapter 3, has a major river to cross. It's literally the Jordan River. It's 40 years in the wilderness. Moses is dead. 20 years ago, we know Joshua became a man because he and Caleb said, we spied the land, we can do it. 10 said we can't, 2 said we could. 20 years ago, we know he became a man. But now he's going to be a man leading literally about 3 million Israelites to cross the Jordan. Every man has a what? Has a river to what? Every man has a river to cross. Joshua chapter 3. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove, and they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. They're about to cross a river. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. In other words, cross, 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 cross. Go, go, go. Guys, we can't always sit on the bank. Sometimes we got to go. Sometimes we got to get up. Sometimes we got to grow. Sometimes we got to move. Since you've never traveled this way before, and that's most of manhood. Manhood is one stage after another. Who has ever traveled this way before? No one. No one's ever been in your shoes before. You've never been where you are today before today. It's a new day. Make sure you don't come any closer. He says to consecrate. Purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. That's one of the greatest rivers that you have to cross is consecration, is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant, lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua Told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Now drop down to verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was a harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Some of your rivers to cross, guys, are quite frankly not that hard. Some of your rivers to cross are incredibly challenging and difficult. This river is at flood stage. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched this river at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at the town called Adam, which is near Zareth, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Every man, every man has a river to cross. I have asked um, our son, Ethan, to join me this morning in this message. And 
we want to talk about some of the rivers that we've crossed. So would you welcome my son, Ethan, at this time? Come on out. Need a chair? Need a chair? Okay. There we go. Um, I think we have more courage than we do brains. That's one thing. And I want you to know that we're just trying to open up a dialogue. Our goal is not to say, look at us, we got this right, we got this figured out. Our goal is simply to answer some of your questions. Once a month, one of you comes to me at Starbucks or at Target or restaurant, and you're asking me, sometimes with great tears and frustration, how do I raise a man? How do I have a relationship with my son? My son and I haven't talked for two years. Or I've got a little boy, and already I see he's so different than I am, I'm not sure how to relate to him. And so I, I, the last five years, you've been asking me those questions. And I don't know that I've always had answers. I don't know that we still have answers today. But we want to try to open this dialogue. And please, we're not saying come follow us, look at us. We're just courageous enough, and maybe not smart enough, but we're just courageous enough to say, let's, let's be honest, let's be real, let's be raw, and let's help each other uh, as we grow and, and work through some of this. So um, I, I want to start with, we're very different. If you were to talk to the production team that we both work with, they would tell you that Ethan and I Though we have a lot of leadership and vision, um, he's an artist, I am not. Um, there's a lot of differences between the two of us, and I'll never forget the day when Danita came to me when he was 12 years old, and she said, you're driving him away. I said, what do you mean? She said, you are pushing him away. And she said, you're trying to make him just like you. And I was. I had discovered a set of skills and a set of habits that really worked for me. And I was trying to make him adopt those same skills, run the same race that I was running in the same way that I was running it, and it was just shutting Ethan down. So I began to study Ethan at age 12. I said, all right, I'll back off. And I began just to love him. And I noticed that there were things about him that I had never noticed before that were no longer frustrating. For instance, when we played ping pong at age 12, there's a certain way to play ping pong. <laughs> Not with Ethan. He's making up the game as we go along, and, and he's bouncing the ball off the ceiling to hit the wall, to hit a certain quad, and I thought, who does this? And then I thought, his mother. <laughs> He's a lot like his mother. And, and, and so that point was a, a breakthrough. And, and when I started loving him, instead of trying to drive him, every, everything changed. Then I heard a youth pastor, uh, probably got this from James Dobson, but a youth pastor said, rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. I thought, oh, that'll preach. Rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. And from that moment on, um, I've really tried to have that relationship more than anything else. So I'm going to let you speak. Um, what, what 
uh, the first, I guess, let me ask you a question is, is what, what prepared you? That would be the, probably the word I'm looking for. What prepared you to cross your rivers? Yeah, I want to reiterate first off what he said earlier. This is by no means an attempt to share how great I am or we are. Uh, we definitely may be a little uh, not as smart as we think we are trying to attempt this, but hopefully God truly speaks to you guys through this, and this is just all part of our journey and our walk with Jesus. Grateful to be here on Father's Day with you to share this. It's pretty special. Um, what has prepared me to cross my rivers? I think, of course, community, church, friends, all these different things have helped me cross my rivers. But the one thing that I believe more than anything that can help you, that can help me cross the rivers that have come in front of us, is the presence of God. God's presence is real. It's amazing. And the more we can spend time in his presence, the more we can begin to think his thoughts. We can begin to want what he wants. I'll never forget I was 15 years old, and I was with the church. We were packed up. There was about 55 students, and we packed up in this two different buses. I remember one of the buses lost AC. It was miserable. And we're on our way up to uh, Pennsylvania to a college up there, and we were going to spend the night in Tennessee uh, at a summer camp. We'd just spending the night there, and then we're going on to uh, Christ and Youth, which is very similar. The students just got back from the student life camp very similar to that. And so we're taking off. We spend the night in Tennessee that night. We had a free open night so we could kind of hang out, go around the camp. And I heard music playing off in the distance. And I brought a friend and I was like, hey, let's go check out what this band, there's some church worship band performing, uh, leading worship. And we walk into this worship environment. And I tell you, it was the first time I believe that I truly experienced the true presence of God. And it changed my life forever. I had a man there that I'd never met that came up to me and, and said, I feel God is speaking me to this uh, right now to you. And he spoke into me, he prophesied into me, and it, it truly changed my life. And I, it wasn't a feeling, it was the presence of God. And so I became hungry for that. And uh, as I began to spend time in God's presence, I began to get confidence. And I learned this quote recently, insecurity is when you look for yourself for security. Confidence is when you look to the Father to define who you are. Insecurity is when you look to yourself for security. But confidence is when you look to the Father to define who you are. And so as I begin to spend present time in his presence, uh, and I think the more you and I spend time in his presence, we get the confidence and we begin to see that our rivers that are in front of us uh, we begin to see them through God's lens and realize that these rivers are opportunities to experience God and that he's leading us to somewhere great. Hmm, that's good, Ethan. You got, you got your own faith at age 15, not ours. All right, every man feels pressure. There's always pressure, no matter what age group, to cross rivers. What pressure did you feel? Yeah, uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, I probably felt a little different pressure than most kids feel. Um, I grew up with eyes on me my entire life. Uh, I grew up in Memphis. We had a church there. It was a great season, moved here. Uh, and unfortunately, most people look to the pastor's kids to see how they're acting and living uh, to determine whether the pastor's words are legitimate or not. Uh, it's true. It's unfortunate, but it's true. And so you have this pressure on you as a kid to have it together, 
right, to show up to church, to be in the community, to have it together. And I don't think I really realized that I was living under that pressure, that pressure. Um, probably until probably the past five or six years, God's really uh, done a lot of work in me in that. And I learned this quote, that identity is destiny. We have to learn to place our identity in something. And so often we place our identity in one of three things. Um, I am what I do, I am what I have, or I am what other people say about me. And so when someone asks you, tell me about yourself, we answer that typically in those three ways. Well, uh, I do this, right? Or I have this, or people talk about me this way. So the issue with placing our identity in those three things is what happens when you lose your job. Is that going to define who you are? What happens when you go from rags to riches or from riches to rags? Is that going to define who you are? Or when other people begin to speak highly of you or begin to speak poorly of you, is that going to define who you are? And I learned Henry Nouwen, a Dutch priest, he preaches a sermon on this. And he says the only truth that you and I can claim every day is that you and I, we are the beloved sons and daughters of God. The hardest thing that you and I have is to claim that truth each and every day. So no matter the season, no matter what the bank account says, no matter what people think of you, the security is found that you and I are the beloved sons and daughters of God. And I love that. Our identity is destiny. So when we begin to learn whose we are, we learn that we are born for the impossible, that nothing, no river, nothing that God puts in front of us is too difficult to overcome. So there's always pressure, um, and there's always a way to be prepared. All right, let's go a little bit deeper, and let's go out on some thin ice right now, and uh, we'll take a risk with this. What could we have done better? All right, we're going there. <laughs> we, uh, we could spend all day on this one. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> No, no, there's a lot of things that went right and well, but I do think it's important to talk about that, and we can talk about that now, which is really special. But um, I think communication is always a struggle for parents and their kids. I think, honestly, it's probably an issue amongst all relationships in life is our ability to communicate. You and I, we love to talk about our successes. It's pretty easy to talk about what's going well in our lives. Uh, We enjoy talking about dream, about vision, uh, about business, finance, all these different things come natural. But no father and son wants to talk about their failures. No parent wants to talk to their kid about their failures. No kid wants to talk to their parent about their struggles. And so I think the issue that we find is you are afraid that if you share your struggles with me, that I won't respect you or view you as a hero. And as a son, if I share my struggles with my dad, that he will be disappointed in me, right? And so what often happens is two people start going off in two different directions, only sharing the good things, but never truly connecting on a deeper level. And so I've learned that that's truly a lie, that if you share your struggles and the day you started to share some of the hardships and failures you've had in your life, it took the pressure off me. And I was like, wow, he's a real person, right? He faces real struggles and challenges like I do. Um, and then the day that I could start opening up to you and, and you, you listened, you didn't point the finger and say, change, do better. You know, you really listened and said you'd walk through that with me. Uh, it was a really awesome thing. 
And so my question for parents is today is, is, is how do you expect your kids to ever open up to you if you're never open up to them? I think the opportunity uh, that we have is, is for fathers is to listen to your sons, to be honest, to be real, to speak truth into their lives. But for our sons in the room, to be honest with your, with your father, with your parents. And the beauty, what can happen from that relationship is a really cool thing. Yeah, because about two years ago, you said, where were those stories when I was in middle school? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I never thought he went through anything my whole life. And so the day you started sharing those was amazing. Yeah. But um, let's, let's turn the tables here. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's not. Let's not do that. I'm going to ask you some questions. Oh, well, no. All right. Um, wh- you t- talk to me. What do you think could have gone better? Talk to us today. What do you think some of the things could have, we could have done different? I have I've thoroughly enjoyed being a dad. That's one of the highlights of my life. I enjoy being a dad more than I do being a pastor, hands down. But I had a hard time getting into Ethan's world, an artist. And he's part-time at Harborside. He's got full-time music gigs going on all over the world and all over the place. And, and so that was, that was, even at a young age, he's a musician. He's an artist. He was an athlete. But he still had these different interests. And so I think for me, what I will do better with grandkids is I will get into their world. I had a harder time getting into your world than I wish I would have. Your mom bought you a ukulele when you graduated from high school. And I thought, that is like the dumbest thing in the whole world. Why why would you buy somebody a ukulele? And, And within just a matter of a couple months, I mean, he's leading worship here. As a high schooler, you know, and then, so then by the time you graduated, you went to Paul Atlantic and graduated, but first you went to St. Pete and got an AA. I got you, what was that instrument? Um, mandolin. Yeah, a mandolin. I don't even know what the instrument is. So I, I went out, I went out and found it. I bought him a mandolin and within, literally, he went in his room, shut the door and within about 45 minutes, he is playing a mandolin uh, really, really well and I'm going, wow. I, so I, I think for me, I would say, Getting in your world, I'm going to do that much better with grandkids. That's cool. Well, how about what went well? Let's talk about that. All right. Um, I, I really enjoyed the car rides. I enjoyed the coaching, the soccer. I enjoyed the homeschooling. We didn't start homeschooling until they were in middle school, which is a little bit different. And I, I enjoyed Danita did 85% of the homeschooling. I did a little bit of it. But I, I like the communication. I like the conversations. In fact, just a week ago, we're outside of Grain and Berries, and we're having a really in-depth conversation for over an hour. I love that communication with you, with your sisters, with Jeff, with Andrew, my two sons-in-law. Um, that's something I'm going to continue to lean in on. Yeah. Anything else for me? That was enough. That's probably, that's probably good. Okay. Uh, what, what advice would you give to parents? I know you're not a dad. I know you're not a parent, but, but you've been a son, and you are a son. But what, what advice would you give? Yeah, I would encourage parents today to be honest, to be real with your kids. I think that's very valuable. I think kids are a lot smarter than you think. We can see through a lot of actually what's going on when you're being true and sincere or not. Uh, I heard recently uh, some speaker was talking about how parents are so afraid to raise kids in this era 
Um, they say, well, only if I could have raised my kids back then in, in my era when they didn't have social media or they didn't have access to all these things. This is the worst time to raise a kid, you know. I think that's not true at all. I believe God has placed you in this era, in this season, for a reason. He's not going to give you what you don't need to be successful. God isn't going to cross, allow you to cross this river alone. He's going to walk with you. Um, so I'd really encourage you to embrace this time period of their life. Their lives are going to be different than what your childhood looked like, and to embrace that and to enjoy that. That's good. Okay. Uh, but to wrap that up, uh, I really would love to kind of enter into celebrating Father's Day. I think with you, uh, I want to celebrate you. Can we just give a round of applause for my dad? Uh, I know that, wa- that wasn't planned. I didn't do that the first hour. Um, but I know Father's Day, for a lot of you, can bring out different emotions towards your dad, towards your earthly father. Some good and some not so good. And so as we enter into today, I think the coolest thing that he and I really want to make sure happens is that we celebrate our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. We have a good, good father that is looking upon each and every one of you in this room and saying, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what other people have done to you. I don't look upon your bank account. I don't look upon what other people talk about you and say. I look upon you and I care about you so much. I want to walk through life with you. I want to cross these rivers with you. I want you to enjoy the fullness of who I am. And so today, we want to encourage this time as we can fix our eyes upon our heavenly Father He's telling you, you were born for the impossible. That he wants to do life with you. That he wants to lead and guide you to do great and mighty things for he and his glory. And so I want to invite you guys to stand with us today. We're going to enter into a moment of worship. And it's a response, right? Our words today are all in the attempt to point to the Father of how good he is. I can guarantee you I would not be on this stage. My dad, if you heard his story, would not be on this stage today without the Father leading and guiding our lives. And it's such an amazing thing to be here. And I believe the same is true for each and every one of us, that he cares for you, that he loves you. And so as we respond in worship today, let's give all that we are to him. Let's stop pushing him away, and let's start walking with him. Let's start enjoying who he is. So let's join together. Let's sing good, good father. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I am never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am, it's who I am, you 
are perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. By you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You've got a river to cross. If you've never given your life to Christ, that's the first river. And, and honestly, that's the best one. And then it actually gets better. Because now you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you teaching you and telling you what to do. Helping you be a father, a man, a son, a leader. You have rivers to cross. And you don't have to cross them alone. We have this Spirit of God to tap into that's inside of us and all around us and comes upon us. And truly teaches us and tells us. We got one shot at this, guys. We got one shot. And there's going to be many rivers. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And so together, we just call on this good, good Father. We reach out to this good, good Father. This good, good Father says, I got you. I got you. Let me parent you. Let me shepherd you. Let me guide you. Let me direct you. Let's do this together. I'm not crossing rivers alone. And I'm not afraid to keep crossing more rivers. Because I've learned in the past that I didn't drown. And he was with me through each and every one of those experiences. I bet today you have a river to cross. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front and let you give your life to Christ. I'm going to let you be prayed over by our prayer partners today. If there are other rivers that you need to cross, emotional rivers, psychological rivers, vocational rivers, relational rivers, let's ask God to do some great things. Maybe you've been estranged from a child for, maybe you've had a real issue here. Maybe you, whatever it is, you have a destiny. You have a destiny. Let me pray over you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no father like you. While we were yet enemies, you gave your life for us. You went to a cross You were nailed, you shed your blood, you gave your whole life for us. You talk about being trustworthy. 
we can put our trust in the one who was nailed to a cruel Roman cross for our freedom. And we put our faith and trust in you. So I pray for the men in this room. I pray that we will rise up and be the men that you have called us to be. And we'll cross this river, then we'll cross that river, then we'll cross that river. But today, we'll cross the river that's in front of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.